Good morning, greetings in Jesus' name. It's a blessing to be able to worship together again. I guess not too many hours ago, we weren't sure if we'd be here or not, but uh, we're blessed to be able to be here. I invite you this morning to turn to First Peter chapter 2. Several weeks ago we looked at the first 10 verses of this chapter and uh, thought I'd continue on with that this morning. And the more I got into it, the more I realized I was not going to have time to cover all the verses that I wanted to this morning. So this morning we're just going to look at verses 11 and 12. I'd like to read those verses at this time. 1 Peter 2, verses 11 and 12. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, they may by your good works, which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So here we have Peter addressing those that he is writing to as strangers and pilgrims. And in verse 1 of First of Peter, he addressed them as strangers. And there I believe it was because, at least partially because, he was writing to a people who had been dispersed because of persecution. And so they were scattered away from their homeland, so to speak, where they had grown up, where they had maybe initially received the Lord. But here we have, uh, we have him calling them strangers and pilgrims. And I'd like us to consider that principle, that concept a little bit. Because I think it goes deeper than just speaking about somebody that's out there that you haven't seen for a long time. Did you know that the concept of being a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth is not a New Testament concept? or It's not where it originated. Abraham said that he was a stranger and a sojourner. Kind of the same idea in the land of Canaan. Jacob as well referred to his life as a pilgrimage, a a time of, of just simply passing through, recognizing that he was going somewhere other than where he was dwelling at that time. So I believe that these patriarchs recognized and were verbalizing that this life on earth, they recognized that it was only for a short time. And they were looking forwards to something greater. And I find it interesting because we think of Abraham and Jacob as the they were men who received promises from God of an inheritance for their for their uh, posterity of, of a land. They were promised 
Abraham was promised that, you know, as far as your eye can see, this land is going to be your children's. But yet, his focus obviously was not on an earthly inheritance, but on a heavenly. Also, we see in the faith chapter that there were heroes of faith mentioned that recognized that they were strangers and pilgrims. Hebrews 11.13 says, All these died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, I found it interesting. I'm not... uh, I don't know if this means anything or not, but that verse comes right after the list of from, from Adam. I'm not sure if Adam's listed in the faith chapter, but at least Enoch is and Noah and some of those old patriarchs. It lists them up through Abraham, and then it says, then it has this verse that says that they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And I thought that was interesting, that clear back at the earliest time of God's people, they recognized that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so I asked, do you think that their attitude towards their time on earth and the fact that they were strangers and pilgrims here, do you think that that had an impact on the degree of faith that they had and the fact that they're listed in the faith chapter for us today? I believe that it did. And I believe that our attitude towards our time on earth and towards how we view our life is going to impact greatly our faith and how we live. If our minds are centered on the things of this world, if if our minds are centered on the world's value system, we're going to approach life greatly differently, much differently, than if our minds are centered on the things of heaven. If we have a stranger and pilgrim, I'm just passing through attitude. See, being a stranger and pilgrim says, I'm not a citizen of where I live today. I'm a citizen of somewhere else, and I'm just passing through on my way to my destination. So if that's our attitude, we'll be focused more on being prepared for that place than preparing for this place. He says here that, or or he couples this idea of being a stranger and pilgrim with abstaining from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. And I found that interesting And I believe that it's because our view of who we are and who, what we're living for is going to greatly affect our ability to win that battle against our fleshly lusts, against the things that are, that we desire to do from a human standpoint. The more that we're earthly focused focused on the here and now, today, the more I believe that we're going to struggle with the temptations that come our way. You see, if we're we're 
if we've bought into this concept of being strangers and pilgrims, what happens today isn't going to seem as important. What I, what I can do today or what I deny myself today isn't, isn't that important because I have a, a long-term view. If we're focused on, on the here and now, it's going to be harder to deny ourselves when we face temptation. So we need to have that, that view, like the heroes of faith, to have a view that, of a worldview or a, a view of our life that transcends the world that we live in. If we're going to overcome the, tempta- the battle of, of temptation that constantly bombards us to do what our flesh desires. And I had to think about that concept of being a stranger and pilgrim and overcoming temptation in light of what our forefathers suffered in persecution, and and not just them, but around the world even today. Sometimes we look back at history or look at modern times where there is persecution, and we talk about how that persecution has a purifying effect on God's people. And I believe that right here we have one of the keys to why persecution has a purifying effect. It's because I believe it causes every true believer to recognize the fact that this world is not our home. And that we're just passing through to another place. If every day when you left your house, you realize that you could easily be taken captive because of your faith, you would feel like the world was a very hostile place. But I feel like, in contrast to that today, that often, for us, things are going well. And as we interact with the world around us, we start to feel at home. We feel welcome. And it becomes a friendly place and not a hostile place. And the more kinship we begin to feel with the world around us, I believe that the more we're going to struggle to overcome the snares of this world. And so those who are facing opposition and persecution from the world around them, it clearly defines to them that they are a stranger and a pilgrim, that this world is, is only something I'm passing through. And when we find ourselves in a setting where the world is an easy place to live, we start, I think, to lose, lose sight of that. And it, it affects... I believe it affects our view of temptation and overcoming those struggles. 
No, I believe that <clears throat> that's one reason why persecution has a purifying effect on the church. But I also believe that we can develop that attitude without facing persecution. And I don't know how all we can go about that, but I do believe that there are things that we can do to help foster that attitude. And first of all, I believe that we need to, when we accept the Lord, we need to recognize that we're moving our citizenship out of this world into the heavenly kingdom. Into a kingdom that has different values than the world in which we live. The things that the world says are important no longer are going to hold the value and the importance in our eyes. We see that many of Jesus' teachings regarding things like money, possessions, the approval of men, personal rights, etc. are you know, he, he says that Jesus says those things aren't important. That's not to be highly, what he said, what's highly esteemed among men is of no value. So if we're going to live as strangers and pilgrims, we have to embrace those teachings. We need to willingly apply them in our lives. As we embrace these teachings, it's going to take diligence. These aren't things that come easy. These aren't things that are once and done. And the reason is that our flesh wants to live according to the world's standards. In our hearts, we want to live according to the world's standards. And the reason for that is because it's easy. The world's standards are based on what the flesh desires. The world makes excuses to allow for the things that the flesh desires. But we're called to live by the standard that God sets forth in his word. We need to recognize that we have clear directives for life given by God, the creator of mankind. And you know, we get to choose whose directives we're going to live by. We can live according to what the Lord God Almighty, our creator, the creator of mankind, says is, is the best for us. Or we can follow after what the world says is best. Who do you think's right? Do you think the world's right? Or do you think the principles that God lays out in his word, when, 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 when God created us, do you think he knew what was best for us? And so we need to accept what he says and recognize that that's the best and strive to live by his teachings, by his principles.
You know that living as a stranger and a pilgrim can be difficult because of the, the value system that we have all around us in the world. Brother Levi Martin last Sunday spoke about that when he talked about laying up treasures, real treasures. That is not a message that you're going to hear from the world around us. But it's a message based on God's word. And so we need to, to, to carefully consider and cultivate those attitudes and it's going to take diligence. And if we don't purpose in our hearts, and if we don't put forth the diligence, we're going to be swept away along with the world's value system. So we can be strangers and pilgrims, but it's going to take an effort. It won't happen automatically. Moving on then to verse 12, he says, To have your conversation honest among the Gentiles. The word conversation here isn't speaking about the words we say, but it's speaking about the life that we live. Several other translations say it like this. Your conduct, your behavior, your daily life. So that's what it's speaking about. What people see when they interact with us. And the word honest has to do with the meaning of honorable. In other words, we're to live lives that are honorable, above reproach as the world looks on. I thought it was interesting. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school, that as conservative Christian people, how, how are we coming across to the people that we interact with? You know, we, we shouldn't let go of biblical standards, but yet we should be displaying a life of, of the love of Christ that is attractive to those that we interact with. We need to, to display that God's love, display... Uh, the, live out the blessing of following God's ways in our lives. He says here then that, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, and that is referring, according to what I read in a couple commentaries, that the early Christians were misunderstood and they were falsely accused of a lot of different things. They didn't follow after the customs of the society around them. They worshipped God, not a whole bunch of idols. They gave allegiance to God, not the emperor. They didn't participate in all the pleasure-seeking of the society around them. And so people were, were making accusations against these people. It didn't make sense. These people are, are strange, they're crazy, they're whatever. And you know, those types of accusations can fly around at us today. We can be accused of not participating in some of those things that the world says are important. But our responsibility isn't to adjust 
our lifestyle to please those who are looking on, but to live for God in such a way that they recognize God's working in our lives. And as we do that, we bring God honor and glory with our lives. And we can only do it by embracing Him, by embracing His ways. Because when we try to incorporate the world's standards into our lives to try to please them, we're not going to do anything but to mar our witness of the blessing of living for the Lord. We need to be convinced, again, that God's ways are best. That His ways alone lead to true happiness and to, to lead to the correct and right end at the end of our days of pilgrimage. So what's our focus in life? Are we truly viewing this life as but a brief time that we have here on this earth to prepare for the next life? As I considered that, I was challenged to, to think about you know, what percentage of, of the focus of my life has to do with the Lord's work and with eternity versus the temporal, tangible things of this world. I was also challenged to consider how much the world's influence affects my thinking. And had to ponder, you know, where am, am I truly living as a stranger and a pilgrim? And I think that's something that is good for all of us to consider and, and wrestle with that a little bit. You know, in our society, we have a lot of freedom. And we can work hard and we can pretty much supply for our own needs and even our wants. And I think because of that, we easily forget how temporary these earthly things are. We see and we focus on the blessings of the physical, the blessing of the here and now, and we forget that we're but strangers and pilgrims. We forget that we're here exemplifying the blessing of, of serving the Lord. And so maybe we need to do a better job, not only as living as strangers and pilgrims ourselves, but in encouraging one another that this, this world is only temporary. We're just passing through. Let's, let's look to the eternal. I'd like us to think as well about the result if we fail to cultivate that attitude. There's two things that I see that will be a result if we fail to cultivate the attitude of being strangers and pilgrims. First, it's going to affect our witness to the world around us. Because it's, it's through the interaction of God's people with the world around them that God demonstrates His goodness and the goodness of his principles 
of his word to them. And I had to think of the Haiti hostage situation and how that was handled. It was a powerful demonstration that God's people can rely on him for deliverance rather than using force. If the people making the decisions had not had a stranger and pilgrim mentality and had went the way of force, there, there was an untold amount of honor and glory to God that would have never been revealed to the watching world. So when we fail to cultivate that attitude, it will affect our witness to the world. And just, I guess, to enlarge on that a little bit, when the world sees me, do they see a person that is changed by the Lord, or do they see a person that is just simply pursuing all the same pleasures and, and things of this world that everybody else is? And secondly, if we fail to cultivate this attitude, I believe that we will likely lose the war that's mentioned in verse 11. The war against the lusts of the flesh. We're in a battle. And it's a battle that won't be won if we don't understand whose side we're on. If we forget that we're strangers and pilgrims, we're going to likely begin to indulge in things that hinder our relationship with the Lord. Indulge in things that pull us down. And it might not be major things. Usually these things are incremental. They start slowly. But they hinder us in our Christian walk. And then, then there's something else. So let's go forth today and determine to live as strangers and pilgrims. Determine to cultivate that in our lives. To think about it. To wrestle with it. Because we're going to find in it, I'm convinced, a spiritual blessing. And I'm also convinced that it will be a witness and a testimony to those around us that observe. So God bless you as you go forth as a stranger and a pilgrim in this world.